happened to bump into Jerry McElroy in the in the elevator as, as we were on our way up here. And he was holding a pizza and going to the elevator. I said, good luck tomorrow. And he said, he's playing quite nicely, isn't he? And I said, he is. And uh, he said, uh, it would be good for the game of golf if he won it. And I said, can't argue with that. Put another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck, back for another Fire Drill podcast. Michael Bamberger, Matt Janella, RNA Clubhouse. Um, we're here on the balcony of the Rusak's Hotel. It's late Saturday night. Pretty epic day of golf today. Um, the the leaderboard, nothing but great players, but it's clarified a little bit uh, with Rory and Victor Hovland at the top. Um, there was a, a little clucking from Matt Fitzpatrick and others about the course setup. So, Michael, let's start there. What do you think of how the old course played and what it revealed about the players on the board? Or are we are we bearing the lead that Matt began his birthday by hanging out with Joe LaCava as midnight struck here in the Rusak's Hotel? Worth mentioning. Yeah, worth, 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 worth mentioning. Matt, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Um, you know, Alan and I have a, a great friend and colleague, uh, Jaime Diaz. Uh, we were having this conversation with him on our way uh, to dinner today. And the question is, is this golf course holding up? Yes or no. If 20 under wins, would you say that this golf course held up or not? And there are lots of different ways. You and I have both argued it two different ways. I'm saying overall, it's holding up because we get a great leader board. We're going to have a great Sunday and it's a great tournament. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. The, the fact is you would like to see the players hitting longer clubs into the greens because that creates more of a dispersion. So there's more danger in play, possibly more recovery shots and get into funkier spots, but it is what it is. It's a burnt out, super fast golf course. The ball goes too far. So the test that's being presented is still fascinating. I mean, the RNAs come up with some very spicy pins and they've asked a lot of difficult questions and the players have mostly answered, but it's still fun to watch. And today when, when Shane Larry was holding out for Eagles and birdies were flying around, I mean, it was fun. It was thrilling. So, Matt, what is, what is your thoughts on how this course is played? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's 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 like the course for me. It's links golf. Links golf. The defense to links golf is the uh, you know in large part the elements. I mean, you can't to to you know to sort of you just have to just change expectations and it's, let's say it's a par seventy. There's no there's no really no real par fives. Just let it be par 70 i mean the, what is, who cares like is is anybody bothered by that the you know someone's a lot under par um some people are bothered i'm amazed on golf twitter like they're offended that the scores are low where we would just argue that that's the lowest total wins what you know someone's going to shoot 270 or 265 or 262 they're the, they're the winner par is a construct i mean it's probably the legit par 68 for some of these guys but it's still the guy who takes the fewest strokes and that's what the game has always been about and always will be about michael jump in here well i'm you know i'm i'm, I'm with that uh i'm with that in theory uh but having said that it's a little bit the whole discussion of 13 and augusta national you could have 18 times here is it really the road hole if you're not hitting the foreign and uh, no. Is it really a par four 18th hole if everybody in the field can drive it with a three wood or a seven wood, uh, as I think Dustin Johnson uh, uh, a hit here? Or use an iron. Or use an, an iron. So, um, but there, there would be no dialing back. There's no dialing back any ball to the point that this would, they still wouldn't be able to drive this green on, on days like today. There's no, there is no, 
uh, in theory, thought, unless we go back to featheries and persimmons, th 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 this this golf course on days like today, they'd still be way under par. They're really good at this game. This is, you know, this is not an indictment on anything other than there's no wind. Right. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I, would, I would add to that, Matt, this is a golf course that even at these tees, but we wouldn't play it at these tees, that anybody can play. And you would never say that of Oakmont at 7,500 or Augusta National at 7,500 or Tulsa where we were uh, uh, this year. This, you know, and that's part of the greatness of this is that I think the ordinary golfer can watch this and sort of relate to it. You know, I asked this of Rory uh, after the round. I said, you, uh, I said, how do you feel about, you know, using your putter as a chipper basically? And he said, you know, if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for you guys. And that's fun for, that's fun for all, for, for, for us all to see. Yeah. All right. So let, let's talk about Rory because he's the man of the moment. I mean, this is clearly his tournament to win. There was a little magic dust there when he hold out on, on number 10. You know, those are the kind of shots that flip a whole tournament. Like thinking when he hit it in that bunker, he might make a five. Instead, he makes a two. And uh, him and Hovland have obviously separated themselves. The crowd is clearly on Rory's side. I mean, he's just become the conscience of golf. He's such a great ambassador. He hasn't won one of these in almost a decade. I mean, the whole world wants Rory to do it. Is he going to do it? guys on the subject of Rory being the crowd favorite I actually recorded Rory coming up 18th fairway uh which you know again was definitely by far uh the most applause of anyone uh Jake let him hear it It would be great, great, great for golf if uh, if Rory wins this thing. But you know something? Let's, with all due credit to Rory, this Victor Hovland is a tremendously likable guy and plays as, I didn't know he was such a great driver until you told me about it. Because when I've watched him play, he's hit, driven it crooked. But I guess if you look at the stats, he's, he's a great driver. Interestingly, Rory's shown you don't have to drive a great here. You just got to drive it in the right parts of the of the right rough, which in this case is the left rough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he was a little wild with his driver. That's the only bugaboo I saw in Rory. I mean, the rest of his game looked fantastic. And Matt, what are your thoughts about what this moment means and, and Rory's place in it? No, I, well, we said it. I said it yesterday, you know, or just talking about and noticing back to Adair and all of what's happening live related. I just think he's been, he's been poked into a, a focus that I don't think we've really seen from Rory in quite some time. He's, he's got more of the, just seems like more of an edge right now to him, to his competitive self. And I think that's going to, that ultimately is going to bode well for him. I happened to bump into Jerry McElroy in the, in the elevators as, as we were on our way up here and he was holding a pizza and going to the elevator. And I said, Good luck tomorrow. And he said, he's playing quite nicely, isn't he? And I said, he is. And uh, he said, uh, it would be good for the game of golf if he won it. And I said, can't argue with that. I mean, uh, and I think Rory knows all that, uh, is well aware. And I, I, you know, I, I, I can't help but think that I'm looking for Rory to win. I mean, I'd love to see Rory win. 
Yeah, I mean, more to the point, it'd be good for Rory McIlroy. I mean, he is in the prime of his career. And in this long major drought, he's won the FedEx Cup. He's won the race to Dubai. He's won the players. He's won all over the world. It's not like he's lost his game. He's been playing an exceptionally high level, but he just can't get it done at these majors. And part of it is, you know, there's, there's an element of Rory where, and Michael, you're an old beat writer for baseball. Like he's more of a, a thrower than a pitcher, right? Like he's got, he kind of has one speed where a guy like Cam Smith, he's got a curveball and he's got a change up. Um, and that's always been the issue with the Brewery. When you get in these super exacting tests, you have to play a little different. It's just, it's not the Phoenix open. You, you can't just smash and grab. And so that becomes the question. Like, at the critical moment, can Rory's wedge game, can his lag putting, can those things sustain? Because is, that's what's going to decide this thing. And, and also to that point, you know, he's won his majors on soft, wet golf courses. And this is a dry, fiddly golf course, as he says. And, uh, you know, you're always trying to show off. You know, Jeff Ogilvy has taught this to us. I, you're, even these elite golfers, not even. They're trying to show off all the time. They're trying to show off to themselves and to their brethren. And I think I think Rory's, well, he has said it, that, uh, you know, I would like to show the fact that I can win anywhere in any kind of golf course. Uh, but he really never has, uh, not at this level. So it would be neat to see him win on, on a dry golf course. But I would take a little bit of exception to one thing you said, Alan. You know, you said Rory needs it. I think really, truly, when it's all I think golf really does need a likable now any of these guys really who are in contention right down to Scotty Scheffler too, Dustin Johnson his own way they all have a likable quality but Rory right now is become a face of the game not just sort of like for its quote establishment values I think more like really the face of the game what golf stands for which is you know a certain grace under pressure be there in good times and bad you know, have you have your hand ready to shake the guy in defeat. Rory represents all these values that are really you can call them old fashioned values. But to me, really, they're just basic core golfing values. And and, uh, you know, the world's in a funny place and golf is in a really odd place that has never, you know, we've all been following this game a long time. We've never seen a period like this in golf. So in that sense, yes, of course, it would be great for Rory, but it really would be great for golf to see Rory win this thing as well. Having said that, well, we root for the story. Rory's probably the best story we could be rooting for. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I root for anarchy and chaos. So I was kind of pulling for Dustin Johnson, like in my own little way today. You know, he flagged a couple of shots in the first few holes and he looked so locked in, made two quick birdies. It's like, OK, here comes Dustin. Um, but he lost his way. And what was interesting is it was Dustin's round was a great rebuttal that the old course is overmatched against the Bombers because he got completely out of his out of his game by humps and hollows and pot bunkers. He just missed a few shots and the ball ran away and he was left with a tougher shot and he got completely mental and he was he started yipping putts. He was, he was just, he putted off the green. He like, topped a tee shot. Yeah, he topped, topped, he a, topped tee, a tee shot. Like that's how out what of are the chances of Dustin Johnson topping a tee shot, the ball's sitting on a tee. Well, that tells you that the old course can get in your head like no other. So that to me was the ultimate rebuttal. People say, oh, it's obsolete. It can't hold up. Like big, bad Dustin Johnson got the back of the hairbrush from the old course. Uh, and when it was Janelle played in front of thousands of people last week, did, did you top any shots? No. This guy topped shots. He was my partner. He also didn't top any there. I, it, it's made, there was five, six unders. Those were the, the, no one, the, the lowest score today. Five people shot six under. And most I mean, of them went early. Well, not, three of them went early when it was, you know, calmer. And yeah. The greens were softer. I mean, well, that, that makes what Rory and Hovland did all the more impressive because they went they went late. But nevertheless, like, um, 
the, the, the scoring is not crazy low. I mean, these are the best golfers in the world. You give them a course with no wind that's playing probably effectively 6,000 yards the way the ball's rolling, they're going to make birdies, and that's okay. Well, and also effectively a par 66. Yeah. When you talk about basically three, four, five drivable par fours, no, no unreachable par fives, Roy hitting, what, driver wedge into a par five that's over, what, 600 yards long. Uh, so basically you're talking about a par 66 course. So on that basis, par is not even really a meaningful term anymore in a lot of ways, but call it a par 66, call it what it is. Uh, I did I did bump into Joe LaCava last night upstairs at the bar. He was just very calmly having a beer amongst a couple of the Golf Channel guys and, and uh, uh, got, again, invited down to the table. I hadn't seen Joe in like, 18 years. It was really, it was really amazing to, to sit down next to him. He looked, he looked tired. He, he was exhausted. And, uh, and when asked sort of, which is actually in my story that we'll be publishing tomorrow morning on firepitcollective.com, just, uh, about, you know, what was it like? And he says, you know, we're, we're, we're upset. I mean, we wanted, we, we missed the cut. That's it's, it's, you know, Tiger was upset. It was all about, you know, Tiger is out to win. Joe LaCava was here to win. They didn't make the cut. It didn't feel good to him. Didn't feel good to Tiger. It was a is a is a bum bummer situation. That being said, he obviously was able to appreciate the moment. He said that was happening on eighteen. And uh, when asked uh, at the table about was that rehearsed, allowing was that coordinated amongst the group players and caddies to allow Tiger to go up the fairway on his own right out of the gate, right from the tee box. And he said, no, uh, that was, that's just an unspoken, uh, rule. And, and everybody was very aware that <clears throat> this was going to happen. The tiger was going to have this moment by himself over the bridge, up the middle of the fairway, wave to the crowd, um, have that moment at, at, on the green on his own. Everybody moved away. Um, the bummer being obviously that he didn't make the birdie. Joe said <clears throat> tiger didn't call him in for the read. He had it. This was, you know, uh, he was upset that that didn't go in, obviously, um, asked him what he, what they, uh, and he also, uh, someone said, did it look like there was Rory and Tiger were going to have a little bit of an exchange there in the middle of the fairway? Cause Rory was coming off the first tee and watched Tiger's tee shot on 18, watched where it resulted. And Rory was kind of in the path of where Tiger was walking up and Rory kind of stopped at his ball. <clears throat> Tiger really kind of just walked by. I mean, there was. You know, and and at, when asked, was there ever thought that Tiger would go over and talk to Rory? And 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 Joe said that would never happen. And out of deference to and respect to Rory and being in his round, Tiger would never want to do that. And in fact, you know, I think there was some internalization of feeling bad for Ma Max and Matthew Fitzpatrick almost that they were dealing with all that was going on with Tiger. <clears throat> that there was, you know, they felt bad and that 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 could have uh, contributed to Max missing the cut. You know, Max is very respect, respectful and deferential to Tiger and his place in the game. And and Joe was feeling like maybe that had some sort of impact. Now, Matthew obviously righted the ship and had another great day today. But um, And then I asked, lastly, what was the exchange uh, as you guys uh, embraced off on the side of the green? And Joe said, he said to me, I love you, buddy. And I said back to him, thanks for having me. Nice.
That's awesome. And, you know, I remember at Valhalla when um, Nicholas was saying goodbye to the PGA Championship and him and Tiger were paired together the first couple of rounds. And everyone was looking for this passing of the baton moment. And there was one, it happened on Friday. Jack was going to miss the cut. They came to like a little bridge and they both stopped. Was, and Tiger was like, after you, you know, showing a deference. And Nicholas was like, no, after you. And Tiger went first. and was like, okay, there, we got it. We needed that. And just that little, you know, Rory giving the tip of the cap. Uh, it, it just feels like it's in the stars for him to win this thing and to yeah. sort of bring it all home. Tiger's gone. We need a new, we need a new boy king. It's got to be Rory. He's the only logical choice, but he's got to win this for that to happen. And 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 that uh, Joe made mention of the idea that the RNA knows what they're doing <laughs> by having uh, by having Rory go off at roughly what would be the time and then stacking JT right behind him. So JT was on the tee with bones on the bag and, and Joe loved all of that. He thought that was, that was really well done, well orchestrated and definitely watched the fact that JT and, and uh, bones were watching. And I think Shane Lowry was actually called to the tee and Shane Lowry was like not going to hit his tee shot and have anything to do with what was happening for Tiger finishing off and essentially paused and waited. And so, you know, it, out of respect to what was happening. Yeah. And it was neat. It was neat watching Tiger. Tiger is such a golf nerd. He was watching Justin Thomas swing very closely. Uh, he wants to see what his buddy's doing. You know, is he swinging good or not? Can he get back in this thing or not? In fact, what we do on our buddy's trip of our partners over there, we go, oh, we, how's he swinging? Yeah, okay, good shot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. So this is Roy's Open. It has to be Roy's Open. If if uh, Calamity strikes and, you know, he shoots 74, like, I mean, Hovland would be a great winner. He's, he's charismatic. He's fun-loving. He's goofy. You can go on Spotify and listen to his heavy metal playlist. You know, he puts it out there for the public. Um, you know, he's into death metal and all that stuff. Like, the kids love it. Um, anybody I, from the pack, you guys? Yeah, so, can, so, can so, so, yeah, I mean, Scheffler's so good at golf. Cam Scheffler. Smith can get hot with the putter. I know. So, that was interesting because Cam Smith, I, I tweeted this at one point, watching him hit chips and pitches around these greens is just such a pleasure. I mean, Michael gave him the ultimate confidence that it was like Seve-like, and but the rest of his game kind of left him today, and he didn't putt great, and he looked a little overwhelmed by the moment. So I, I'm, I'm never have a 36-hole leader who goes south on Saturday and comes back on Sunday. You know, mentally you sort of get out of it. It's really, really hard to get back in it. I think yeah. he's gone. Yeah. I mean, we've got um, – Cam 1 and Cam 2. Yeah, and I mean – Cameron Young has played amazing golf and, you know, he's overlooked because he's a rookie. He's never won, but this performance will clinch rookie of the year for him. He's clearly got a lot of game. Like it's a big ass, but no one thought Louis Eustizen was going to do it. So you never know. Um, other, other guys, I mean, he kind of sputtered coming in, unfortunately. I mean, the thing about the old course that's so amazing to me is on the last 10 holes, you have four drivable par fours and you have, you have a par five. Like, it ain't over till it's over. Like, a lot, and then of course you have 17 where Roy was lucky not to make a six today. Really, like, so anything can happen. Um, but I mean, you know, Sibu Kim is the nightmare for all the sports writers because he's so so good at golf and uh, he could do it, and that would be a bit of a letdown. I mean, Dustin. <laughs> no, but I can I can never not think about him. Do you remember the President's Cup when they had the people serenading on the first tee and they were they were singing. 
there's a song as, as you know michael being a hip-hop historian it's like see woo shaking that ass shaking that ass shaking that ass, shaking that ass. <laughs> it was the greatest press conference ever so every time i see it's like i see woo kim so i'm just gonna share that who was sober at that press conference tiger he was the only person who was so maybe furic <laughs> yeah well that was a wild one. That was a classic. But I mean, it just feels like both Victor and Rory have so much firepower. It's hard to imagine that one of them's not going to shoot 67 and win this. But I know you disagree. Scheffler. Just, I mean, Scheffler driving par fours and, and coming from behind and nothing to lose and playing loose. Yeah. I think really, truly, if it weren't any either of those two, I think it would be Scheffler. Yeah. If I had to actually bet, I would bet Scheffler. But, you know, I always say this about Sam Burns and other people, and you know, who just look like they could and they should and they might probably won't. But I, I, I will say Dustin Johnson with some red ass could be dangerous, like em- embarrassed. He got humiliated out there, missing two footers, topping shots. Like if he comes out and just lets it go, like he could shoot 63. But um, I don't know. I really I, th- I think 19 is a good number. I think the winning score is going to be 19 or 20 at this point. So. Um, you'd have to do something crazy if you're not, you know, Rory or, or Victor, but it just feels like this is Rory's open. And I have, I hate to say this cause we all love Rory. If he doesn't get this one done, like it's a serious setback. Where do we go from here as Rory fans and chroniclers? Because he's been in every major this year. And if he comes, if he, if he gets skunked, I, I, I shudder to even think about it. Yeah. Well, let's see. Let's see what happens. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. Uh, Matt, you wrote, uh, you mentioned earlier, you wrote up old Tom, a visit to old Tom. It was, it was, it's no, I wrote up sort of my week and all the connection points, you know, again, going back to the idea that uh, my first week at SI was as the golf photo editor was Tiger's first tournament as a pro. And then having this kind of emotional send off at St. Andrews. And then also coupled with the fact that there's so many people here that have connection points, you know, much like to you guys, to, to my life in golf, right? So all the different relationships, the Davis Cessnas, the Paul Spanglers, the Mark Mulvoys, uh, you know, Marty Carr, who's led me into, you know, to all these little different moments. And so just kind of a, uh, a uh, kind of connecting all the dots of my life and professional life through an event like this here, 150th open. Cause where do we go from here? That, that, that's actually the question that I think as it relates to golf in general, like certainly for me, like this is such a huge moment. Like where do we go in the game of golf right after this is over? Come Tuesday, there's going to be more now. There's going to be great. And so it almost feels like the, you're at the end of the, of the ice cream cone and it's going to be, you're going to, do you want to ever take that last bite? Cause tomorrow is going to be that last bite. And then we're going to have to see uh, what's next. Well, I, I hope, Matt, at some point, the readers of the firepitcollective.com will get to read a story by you about your experiences with Tiger at a Sports Illustrated uh, photo shoot in 1998 involving not just Tiger, but Tiger and a Tiger, or Tiger and other Tigers. Yeah, oh, that, that's coming for sure. I just, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably been following our adventures all week long, and we thank you. Um, check out Matt's story. It's going to post Sunday morning, and... It is a lovely kind of first person journey through the golf world and, and all his adventures. And uh, I would I would really recommend that highly because we uh, we've been a lot of places collectively and it's it's fun to share them. You, we don't want to hog the experiences. We want to share them. That's that's we're we're the eyes and ears of the fans. Like we're here to, to take them places they can't get to otherwise. So 
uh, we take that responsibility seriously. There's no other sport that could have the co-mingling that this that this sport has, and there's no other place that could have as much co-mingling as this. So just the fact that you know that Matt was with uh, Joe Lacava uh, last night, and then we're you know, telling old Tiger stories at uh, at dinner tonight. And, yeah. Well, and while we're out here taping this podcast on this balcony, Paul Azinger just wandered out just yeah. to take in the view, you know? Yeah. 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 Like David Fantasy. Like it's just uh, well, golf people coming out your ears. And which leads us to the Rue 6 Hotel, which uh, is, is, has been a big sponsor for all things Fire Pit Collective this week. So thank you to the Rue 6 Hotel for the access to this, these, these porches, these decks that overlook the 18th fairway. They've put a lot of, ton of money into this place and uh, to everybody's delight it has changed uh the accommodation world in st andrews so highly recommend um we also have to thank link soul obviously the clothing company that we all love and 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 john ashworth is a part of this story that uh, that posts tomorrow so thanks to john ashworth and link soul seed golf the irish-based uh, golf ball company is a new sponsor to us and looking forward to getting to know them uh more part points our boys uh uh, Brandon Ebert and Kevin Quinley, uh, who have developed that uh, new app on how to weigh, how to score the game. And again, I'm I'm using it for uh, golf with my kids. So I highly highly recommend. I think it says a lot about the McElroys that they're choosing to stay at this hotel. I the the th- the the word I heard is I think they are uh, part uh, of the investment team into this hotel, which is. Uh, and I, I saw Keith Mitchell today. He missed the cut by one. He's up uh, upstairs with his uh, brother and his sister-in-law and his new wife as of January. Uh, they were having a great time up there overlooking the golf, watching the golf as fans. It was, it was really fun. Um, and, the, and he said he loves everything about this place. The only thing that is a knock is also part of the reason why it's so much fun is pace of play that the drivable par, par fours and the crisscrossing of the routing as back in the back end ends up resulting in six hour rounds. And he said that was the only, the only little bruise on this whole, this whole event. Yeah, but on Sunday, on Sunday, you won't have that at all. Uh, just to speak of connections for one more minute. So we had David Faraday just uh, standing here. We've got friends from Ireland uh, uh, right here as well. Shane and Noel Fleming are in the house and they saw Rory's chip in. So that was nice. And, <laughs> So David Faraday was playing golf with Michael Bannon, um, Rory McIlroy's teacher, before Rory was even born. Uh, so, like you know, speak of connections that you're writing about in your beast tomorrow. Golf is so rich with them. It's uh, it's actually a reporter's dream. The whole game is a reporter's dream, and this week has been a reporter's dream as well. Yeah. Well, that's well said. And tomorrow it's the finale. I feel like we've been in St. Andrews for a month. That's not a complaint. It's been it's been a great time. We've all had way too much fun, yeah. but way too much fun. you know, it's it's finally here. Is what the buildup has been all about. We're going to crown the champion golfer of the year. Uh, they're going to it's going to it's going to be memorable no matter what. It could be epic if it's Rory. And I know I'm excited. I know you guys are excited. So we'll have one more of these pods tomorrow night, and we'll um we'll have a champion, and we'll we'll put a bow on the week. But any final thoughts before we go? Are, are we going to have Matt here tomorrow night? No, Matt. It might just mean, oh, yeah. Michael, we'll handle the logistics, Michael. You just, you just show that up was and. That kind of a joke because one thing Shipnook and I are good at, it's yeah, sticking around. No, I, yeah. If, if Alan can get in the Butler cabin, I think he can get in the Rustics Hotel. Well, oftentimes the parking lot for the press is far away and they have shuttles for us. And Michael, one year vowed he would not ride a shuttle bus the whole year, no matter what. And he pulled it off. So, yeah, this is one of the joys of the job is sneaking around, right? We know that to be true. Uh, By the way. 
I, I, in 05, I watched from the RNA clubhouse. That was a major sneak, and all it required was a blue blazer and a, and a striped tie. Well, as, as we're looking out at this dark and fairway, of course, I go back to 2018 when the Open was at Carnoustie, but we stayed in St. Andrews because why not? It's so much fun. And me, you, and Sean Zach went out there and with a couple clubs and played the 18th hole in the dark under the moon. And I don't like to brag, but I did make an incredible par. And um, it was... <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a great time. So yeah, there's. We'll we'll see where we can get tomorrow night. We may be delivering pizza to Rory's room. Knock knock. Oh, Mr. McElroy, we have your pizza that you ordered. <laughs> Actually, that light bulb moment right there. <laughs> all right, let's turn the readers. Oh yes. No, no, that's all. I got that's Sean McKeel's room service meal that way uh, Sunday night when he won at Rochester. Uh, oh, so weird things do happen in other places, but more weird things happen here than anywhere else. Well, one year at the Mercedes Championship, I was staying next to uh, Jesper Parnovic at the Ritz-Carlton, just randomly. And the players are so spoiled. Every night they get a gift. And um, one time they just left it outside of Jesper's door. And this amazing uh, display of chocolates and sweets and cookies. I stole it and I, I enjoyed it all week long. And you know Jesper's not eating Yeah, like I eat like twigs and berries. He wasn't going to eat it. But uh, anyway. Oh. I have a feeling if Rory wins, you guys aren't going to have to sneak in anywhere. He will be upstairs at the Rusix Hotel hanging off the edge, partying and drinking out of the Claret Jug. You guys might even drink out of the jug. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll get COVID for Rory's Claret Jug for sure. Um, all right. Let's let the listeners go. Thank you for uh, sticking with us. Uh, as always, um, it was a fun time. We'll do this Sunday night. Michael, I'll be writing on Deadline tomorrow, which is always a thrill. Sunday night game stories and columns are always a blast for us to do. It's the ultimate sort of adrenaline. Keeps us young, at least Michael. And um, that's it from uh, the 18th hole at the Old Course. Thanks for listening. Another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired 